Welcome back everyone to Top Deck Insight. My name is Sam and I'm joined by my co-hosts today, Josh and Sarah. We're three friends who love Magic the Gathering and we have created this podcast to bring to you our enlightened conversations. If you like what we do, follow us on Twitter at Top Deck Insight. Now let's get into the episode. So, since the last episode, uh, Strixhaven has officially pre-released? <laughs> come, out yeah. on, come out on Arena. <laughs> yes, <right>? yeah. <laughs> I have no idea what they do. So the release date's, what, the 23rd? Yeah. Okay, so their official still... release isn't out. Yes, right. which is still five days from now, uh, probably, what, three days before this episode's published. Mm-hmm. So, th- mm-hmm. yeah, this this should be up on Tuesday. Um and it'll be three days after that, that I think is the official release date. Yes. But it's all up on Arena. Yeah. Um, and it came about unexpectedly quick because they uh, cancelled the early access streams. Yes. Like the, the early access events. And so we got even earlier access to Arena, um, which is something we should talk about. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's something we should. But first, let's talk about... Well, yeah, since the cards have come out on Arena, have you guys had much chance to play with any of the new cards? I've done a draft, but... Was it just, like, stand the normal uh, draft or...? Premier? Best of draft. one? Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay, how did well, how did that go? Uh, talk us through what happened, if you can remember. I mean, it was today, so... Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> I drafted with a bloom, mm-hmm. obviously. Obviously. <laughs> it was a pretty good deck, actually. Yeah. Uh, so I went 5-3. Oh, wow, okay, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty solid that's, for your uh, first draft in the format. That mm-hmm. makes you money back. Mm-hmm. Five, yes. five wins, does. yeah. 100 gems, I think. <laughs> um, do you know what? It actually did really well until it came up against other Witherbloom decks. Yeah. And then I think I noticed my inexperience with drafting. Okay. Because it was okay. essentially yeah. people playing a better version of my deck. Yeah. Right. Like, it was a lot of the same cards, but maybe played a little bit better in a better order. Uh, so, yeah, two of the games I just got, they were just better. And then the third game... I don't know if I should admit this on the podcast, but I did, I did a stupid. <laughs> we all do stupids. Yeah, but this is a stupid what, what, stupid. what was the stupid? So it was mulligan, mulliganing. So yeah. I mulliganed from seven to six, and it was a really good hand. I was like, yeah, I can totally keep this. And then I pressed mulligan instead of keep. Oh, <laughs> and then no. I went down to a five card awful hand. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, that's really no. unfortunate. Yes, it's very unfortunate. It's very sad. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was awful. It was three green lands and four black spells. And you'll all be really pleased to hear that we actually have mm-hmm. the moment on video. Oh, wonderful. Yes. So we, we decided to film... So it's Josh and I drafting. Yeah. Me, for me, but Josh helping me draft and then me playing the games yeah and you have the moment <laughs> where i go oh shit that's not what i wanted to do <laughs> on video yeah. that's amazing we'll, we'll see if we can get that tweeted um and this is something that we've been doing ahead of strixhaven sarah approached me and let me know that she wanted to get better at limited and so what we've been doing lately is um 
intentionally deliberately practicing draft so we've been having you know talks about draft theory and uh you know like some new player advice that i've uh, i've been trying to give to sarah and uh she's been easing her way into player drafts she did her first uh player premier draft today yeah it was just quick drafts before that just one quick draft just one yeah so this just is your one second draft one. ever mm-hmm. um and first player draft uh, and yeah, she she did a pretty good job. She got came out with a, a solid result. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you finding drafting as a new player? It's really fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's stressful. Like when you're trying to with players draft. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. the time the is first time you do so it, yeah. quick. Definitely. There's like there's bits in the video where Josh is like, just pick one. And I'm like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I tried. I tried not to get stressed out, but <laughs> I think I think in um, in player draft on arena. Um, you have to, if you don't know the cards, you have to identify the cards that you can play. Assuming you're later on in the draft and you've got kind of a a deck or an archetype picked for you, you have to identify the cards that you can play, read them, move on. Because you need to look at every single card in the pack that you could pick to see if an obvious one rises to the top, rather than read a card and then think, this could be good for this reason could be not good for this other reason mm. you just need to look at all your options in the pack get all your options down first and then look at them more closely um and i think that that's an easy trap to fall into when you're a new player uh you can easily look at a pack of cards and see one of them and read it and then immediately start thinking oh i can see the synergy between this and my deck but mm. you cannot get caught up in that in a player draft You've got to move on to the next card that you can play, read that as well, and get all first establish all of your options, then start assessing which one's the best. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, highlight one uh, that you wouldn't be unhappy getting so that if you run out of time, that gets auto-selected. Yeah. Um, and oh, so... The auto-select yeah. feature, I've, I've always found it terrible. It is terrible. Yeah, there's yeah. been times where I've been like, pack three, pick 12... And I have like there's clearly like I have like black and green and there's clearly a black a green and then like a red card. It's like, yeah, let's it's pick the red. It'll throw some random red <laughs> common into Why? your cynic deck or something. Yeah, <laughs> it's so oh, it is terrible. Is um, um, so talk me through about the if you can remember any of the like picks, any memorable picks, anything that sort of defined why um, you went for black green. Dina. Dina, yeah. Yes. So that's a staple, I would say. Yeah, for black mm-hmm. green. Yeah, I only got one of her, but yeah, because I kind of went down the life gain. Yeah, the Root, black green um, pests. Yeah, pests. Right. What do you what remember? Pests? What your first pick was of the pack? Oh my god, was it Dina? I think it was. I think it okay. was Dina because yeah. I think I remember seeing the pack and I already knew Dina and I was like, and I I kind of wanted to play with mm. the bloom. That I went into the draft hoping I could play with the bloom. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I know she's good. I went to the bloom. I want her. And then she ended up being the best pick of that pack. Yeah, I I think that we we did also get this on video, and I think that Dina was just the the best card for Limited. Like The the rare was, I can't remember what it was, but it wasn't particularly... It was a land. The first pack was a land. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Which is fine, but it's not first pick, I don't think. Um, Yeah, Dina was definitely the strongest card in that pack. I think this is an interesting difference between uh, Strixhaven draft and, say, Kaldheim draft. Uh, in Kaldheim, I would not recommend first picking a gold card um, because you want to leave your options open. So mm. I, I find that your earliest picks in Kaldheim, uh, pick the best card in the pack uh, for, for sure, but 
Uh, I would prefer to lean towards single card cards so that I could splash and see what was open. Yeah. Uh, but in Strixhaven, I don't think I, I think there's just so much support for the college colors uh, that you can absolutely first pick a uh, like a Witherboom card and then and then hope that you get to play it. Um, and you did. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, you had enough playables to build a decent Witherbloom deck. Hmm. Um, which, on you know, on the on the one hand is lucky, uh, but I think you've got to do that with the Strixhaven draft. I, I think it's definitely a, um, it's a like you, you want to stick to to the the college colors, but you you can splash. Hmm. Uh, I, I've done a few Strixhaven drafts now, and I've found that almost always it feels like. If I can just be in two colors uh, and in the college colors, I will be. Uh, but you can definitely splash. You can definitely splash for another color. Uh, like the fixing in the set is, I don't think, as good as Kaldheim, uh, but it's good enough. And there is strong enough support for the two color pairs that you can play two colors and it feel completely homogenous. Like mm. if you play one of the color pairs, like Quandrix uh, or Witherbloom or Prismari, it doesn't even feel like two colors. It just feels like it's meant to be. And that's really good, I think. It's really good limited design. Uh, and I'm, I'm having a ton of fun with yeah. this limited set, definitely. I, I'm, I'm liking it a lot. Uh, it feels slower, I think, than mm-hmm. Kaldheim. Yeah, Kaldheim was a very aggressive limited format. It was a powerful think. format, yeah. yeah. Um, and this, this set, actually for Constructed as well, I think the entire set is a little bit lower in power level. Mm-hmm. Um, but like in limited and in constructed, uh, and I think that maybe that's a bit underwhelming for like if you play standard or historic. Uh, if you're a limited player, that's that's exciting. Like you don't really because limited is in a vacuum. You're not playing limited in the context of previous sets. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a you know a lower powered format. It can be grindy, but you can play aggro as far as I can see so far. Like uh, silver quill and law hold can be aggressive decks. Um, but then, like, Quandrix is super, super, super grindy. Uh, so grindy. I- I've drafted Quandrix twice. And uh, in those, I guess, like, 14 games or whatever, I lost twice to um, milling myself out with no wow, mill from okay. my opponent. But I was just drawing so many cards, ramping so much, and then not actually having a big enough finisher that I would just draw myself out of the game. Yeah. Um, like that's how how ramp and grind oriented uh, Quandrix is, and I have so much fun with it. <laughs> um, but it, I, I have lost a couple of times <laughs> from just not having like a a decent powered finisher. Yeah, that was one thing. So I've not actually done any drafts. I've only done a steeled event, which did give me a fair amount of experience in. Well, actually, not really because. Um, I so I, I went three three in the sealed event. It was pretty poor. I played Quandrix deck. Uh, it was a, it was a nice deck. It had the Quandrix hybrid mana rare, which is like the four mana two two creature that creates an XX fractal equal to the cards in your hand, mm. which is pretty decent because it's two big two decent bodies for four mana. Um, there was a bunch of ramp spells. There was a bunch of um, yeah. It basically ramped to at least eight lands, and then had a couple of the eight land archetype cards. Yeah. Um, it was a good deck, but my so my opponents or all six of the matches I played against were Witherbloom. <laughs> yeah. um, all six of them were e- Witherbloom, and then about three of them, weirdly enough, were Witherbloom Splash White. 
So I don't know if that's a thing. Maybe Witherbloom okay. Splash White is like a really common thing. I don't know. I think the Splash White is quite worth it. Yeah. Um, so each, uh, each college has a couple of kind of border post cards. Uh, one is the, the Summonings. So you, Quandrix has Fractal Summoning. Mm-hmm. Um, Prismari has Elemental Summoning. Mm-hmm. Witherbloom has Pest Summoning. Uh, Silverquill has Inkling Summoning. And well, what's the other one? Lawhold oh, has Spirit Spirits. Summoning. Spirit Spirits, Summoning. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Um, and of all of them, I think that uh, most of the time, Inkling Summoning is the best one mm-hmm. because Inklings are two ones with flying. Um, and of all of the... Uh, the, the creatures that you can summon a two one with flying is is probably going to be better much more valuable um, yeah and then uh so rise of Extus is a six mana removal spell that is uh four and two hybrid black white mana uh so it's a, it's and it's a common and it's uh it seems overcosted but it's actually very very good in this format what does it read uh i think it's something like exile target creature or planeswalker mm-hmm. uh, then exile one instant and one sorcery from a graveyard and then learn okay okay um and it's really really good it's, it yeah. is a really it's a strong card uh and so you've got you know these commons that uh if you're in witherbloom uh and you want to splash white for like some powerful picks that you find uh and there are some good ones in white then you can play inkling summonings and right uh and what did i just call it Right of Exodus, Exodus, Rise of Exodus, Rise, Rise of Exodus, Some, something Exodus. Exodus. I don't, I don't know if that's what it's called. Something like that, though. Um, uh, and you can you can play them so much more easily because you don't need the you don't even need the double black. You might have your white splash. Mm. Uh, and I think that that's probably that's probably why I think that black white has the uh, some of the best common spells that you want to splash for. So yeah. that would make sense if you've been seeing that. That's interesting. So, would you say Silver Quill then might be one of the strongest colors in Limited? No, no, <laughs> no. I I, I okay. wouldn't. I, I think so. What I've seen of the archetypes uh, is that Silver Quill is pretty aggressive. Um, it's based like it has loads of good kill spells uh, and it has loads of evasion, mm. lots of flying, and uh, a good amount of lifelink. It has all has the two as well. Plus one, plus one counter synergy yes, as well. Yes, it yeah. does. So yeah, lots of pumping. Um, there's a lot of overlap. Uh, like, um, oh, all right. So before 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 we get to the overlap, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Witherbloom is a very grindy pairing. It's like classic Golgari. Mm-hmm. You're gaining life. You're getting value. Uh, there's some aristocrat sort of strategies. Not much graveyard recursion at all, mm. uh, which I think is a bit of a surprise. But that's because the graveyard recursion was Lawhold. saved for Lawhold, yeah. yeah. Um, so Lawhold, I have actually seen you can play two ways. You can play red-white aggro, but I actually think that that's not as good as grindy Lawhold, mm-hmm. um, where you're playing an aggressive deck, but with loads of graveyard, graveyard recursion to sort of carry you, carry you into the later game. Yeah. And I have found I've had more success with the grindy Lawhold. Okay. Um, like one of the best white commons that I found, which I really undervalued when I first saw it, I would pick it and then not even put it in the in like it wouldn't make the deck. Mm-hmm. Now it will make the deck every time, and that's Pilgrim of the Ages, mm-hmm. uh, which is a three mana two one. When it enters the battlefield, search your library for a planes and put it into your hand, and then you can pay six mana to return Pilgrim of the Ages from your graveyard to your hand. 
It's good. I, I didn't think it sounded good at all. Yeah. But Is in that the common? yeah, at common yeah. Uh, in the grindy law hold matchup, that's really really good. Um, Prismari is very spell slingy. Uh, there are lots of ways to make treasures, lots of ways to copy and cheapen your spells. Um, and then there are some there are some cheaper spells, and then there are these big flashy top end spells. But mm-hmm. it's very very spell slingery. Um, I haven't actually played Prismari yet, but some of the chatter that I'm saying online seems to point towards blue possibly being the strongest color and prismari being the strongest color really? pet for limited yeah okay that's interesting because mm-hmm. yeah i've not seen much of prismari yeah, i don't think I've, i mean i did one but i don't think i played against any prismari deck yeah i i don't know what to make of that like that, that is just what the chatter that i'm hearing online i haven't seen much prismari uh, i wonder whether it's being underdrafted and the good cards are being absorbed into law mm-hmm. hold and uh and like other colleges, um, or it's being overdrafted heavily, like aggressively drafted by a few people, uh, because it's sort of, you know, the, some of the pros are saying it's the best color pair, mm-hmm. uh, quote unquote. And so most people are just not seeing the colors open and, 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 right. and yeah. going for different Going for colors, different things, yeah. 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 Uh, it could be, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, a lot of the time, every, I think every time I've seen red, blue, it's been playing another color. Uh, so I've not seen any pure Prismari decks. Uh, but th- yeah, th- there seems to be some chatter online about how that's the strongest color pair. Mm. Um, I feel like the strongest is Quandrix. Okay. But, but as I said, uh, you need to have the finishing power. Yeah. And there are Quandrix cards that have the finishing power. Like Bookworm, I think, is a common. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's an 8-mana 7-7 seven, seven with Trample. When it enters the battlefield, you gain 3 life and you draw a card. That's that great. Yeah, that's yeah. a really, really good finisher. And you can ramp into it with Condrix. And it has um, Recursion. You can pay three mana yes. to put it third on your library. I think so, yeah. No graveyard. Yeah. So it's quite a good card. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, though, I uh, wanted to sort of go back to both of you about this. What have you... And in your in your Witherbloom deck, did you feel you guys had any sort of bomb picks? Anything that sort of, you know, I have to go for this. This is going to win me the game kind of cards even like bookworm i would say it was like a, a bomb or any sort of finishes because i i thought this set would be quite low on finishes mm-hmm. um and that's possibly why it's a lot slower because there's a lot less cards yeah that are really strong takeovers like things like coma in kaldheim if yeah. you get coma down you just win the game mm-hmm. uh things like pff, i don't know what else to say but yeah do you guys feel like you had anything like that I would say no. I don't know if you yeah. disagree, but I don't think there was anything. In your list? No, I, yeah, I don't think... I think it was just a fairly good deck. I don't yeah. think there's any one card where I was like, oh, this is... What would you say one. your top end was in that deck? Kind of what, what What were you like hoping to get down as soon as or draw into whenever it was like sort of late into the game? I don't know, because... Yeah. Three of the five games that I won, people scooped pretty early. Oh, okay. In <laughs> so, fear. So in fear, fear of me. <laughs> that was a frustration, because if I remember your deck correctly, um, you had to cut out a bunch of really good removal spells, because you had, had so loads. many had really loads. good removal really? spells. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sarah drafted Lash of Malice, uh, an Eliminate, uh, oh, wow. two Mage Duels, and then I think three of the Witherbloom removal spells that I can't remember the names there's of. one that's called Mortality Spell. That one, yeah. Mortality Spell. Yeah, Spirit. that one. And then uh, then there's one where you give you give one of your creatures Death Touch and then there's some, a couple mm. of other effects. And, and so, like, Sarah had to cut a lot of, like, Mage Duel from the deck, mm. which I think is 
has really overperformed. I think Mage Duel is really is a strong common and a strong removal spell, like like Struggle for Skemfire was, uh, but I think actually better because mm-hmm. uh, you don't have to foretell it for it to be one mana. Yeah. Um, and so I think that what was so good about uh, your deck was that you had so much really efficient removal uh, that your creatures just went a lot lot further than your opponents would. Yeah. And you were able to just outgrind them like that. Um, I've definitely, I know exactly what you mean, Sam. I, I thought this would, this set would be quite light on bombs, mm. uh, but I have found there have been a lot of cards that I have undervalued, uh, that I didn't think would be good and that are not very high on tier lists, but have really, really performed for me. Yeah. Uh, one of them that I've drafted a couple of times is, I think it's called Ingenious Mastery. Mm-hmm. It's the, so it's X2 blue for a sorcery. And th- so the text is complex. Oh, but, yes. I think uh, I remember. Is it like the modal kind of? Yes. If, it gets if up to you, X equals five. Exactly, yeah. yeah. If you pay two and a blue, then you draw three cards, your opponent scries two and makes two treasures. Otherwise, draw X cards, mm. which is a bit complex. But basically, you can pay it for three, you can play it for three mana, draw three cards, and your opponent gets their treasures and their scries. Otherwise, you can, uh, you can pay two blue and then x and just draw x cards so you can pay like four mana and just draw one card or... yeah yeah um, and i have found this to be a massive overperformer. it i it, okay. i didn't i didn't value it very high to begin with but it's definitely won me games uh, not directly but by just giving me so much value like in a quandrix deck you know turn five or six you I've, uh, i'm in a, a good enough state and then uh, I have like seven or eight lands in play because I've been ramping. Um, and, you know, playing uh, Ingenious Mastery for X equals three or four is a huge, huge advantage. Like you, you're happy to just take a turn to do that in this mm-hmm. format. It's not so slow that tapping out to do nothing uh, on turn six or seven is even that big a deal sometimes. And so th- that's really overperformed for me. And then I also think another card that I did not rate very highly, but I definitely do now. Well, there are a couple. Really, all of the learn cards. Mm. Learn and lesson is so, so good mm-hmm. uh, in this format. So, like, uh, Cram Session, which I thought was... Actively thought it was a bad card. Um, it's it's two mana. You gain four life. Learn. And that's it. Mm. And I thought that was just a wasted slot. But And it might be. I might be wrong about this. Some people might disagree. I wouldn't be surprised. But it's been really overperforming for me. Like, it's... In, in a control-y kind of grindy deck, it's two mana, trigger all of your magecraft, gain four life, draw a card that you actually want out of your sideboard, a good lesson, mm-hmm. um, and then, you know, possibly play that, like an environmental sciences, which has also been an overperformer. Um, <laughs> Everything's been there for performance. <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot of the cards that I thought would be bad. I, I, think, yeah. I think what I want to draw attention to here is the lessons and the learn mechanic. Yeah. Um, like, I, I, I say overperform, because I was kind of talked down, I think, about how good these would be. But I always thought that well, Lesson and Learn would be really strong. Like, the flexibility that it gives you is so, so powerful. I oh. really, really like these mechanics in, in Limited. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, we, last time we did say, we were talking about Learn and Lesson. We didn't mention it in Limited, because I, I did also think it'd be really good in Limited. We mentioned that in Standard it would be pretty terrible. Mm-hmm. 
which is also wrong, but that's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think it's very easy to evaluate the fact that learn and lesson will be powerful and, and limited just because, especially in those best of one games, you're getting really nice sort of um, card advantage. Card advantage usually just takes you way above in limited because yeah. it's such a low power setting, if that makes sense. Um, and there's like it's less so in standard. Uh, but... I, yeah, I've been proven wrong. We'll go on to that later. Before we move on then, yeah. um, I think possibly to, to polish off the talk of Limited, uh, the, the other thing that I really am loving about this Limited set is the Mystical Archive cards. Yeah, yeah. They are so much fun. Oh my god. Like, they add an element of chaos to every draft. Mm -hmm. Because the, the frequency at which they occur is so unreliable that you almost... Um, just don't factor them in, uh, you end up with this element of chaos to every draft. Like, yeah. I, I've had so much fun. Earlier today, I was playing a draft where I pulled a channel, um, and I had channel and fractal summoning, which is 2x, create an xx fractal. Mm -hmm. So with 4 mana, I am able to cast channel, uh, and then with two more mana, I'm able to cast Fractal Summoning and then pay life because of channel for colorless mana. So <laughs> I can just pay as much life as I want and, and pour as much into this Fractal Summoning as I want to. Yeah. And so I'm able to get a 10-10 a a, a Fractal down on turn four. And it's just absolutely nuts, completely unreliable. Like, you can't depend on, on getting any of the Mystical Archive cards in a draft because it's just, I think it's so unlikely. Yeah. But it adds a real element of, like, of chaos. You, you, you just never quite know what to expect. It really removes a lot of the predictability uh, from, from the, the format, which I'm, I've really been enjoying. Yeah, I think the most fun things about Limited is always the kind of unexpected performance of cards because obviously cards that were would be good in standard are probably the, there's there's not a whole lot of cards from Strixhaven for example that have made an impact on standard but you get to still play with them and have them be good in limited which is effectively what a new set of cards should feel like playing so yeah that's where limited usually has its merits over constructed formats mm -hmm. um, yeah pretty much it okay yeah so so Strixhaven was available earlier to us because of the cancellation of the Early Access Streamer event. So they've cancelled it for all future sets as well. Mm -hmm. What's your initial take on this? So there's a lot to this story. Um, it's I think a big part of the problem is the way that Wizards communicated or, or, or didn't communicate mm. with their creators, with their content creators. Um, there's also... The fact that as well as cancelling the early access event, Wizards is pouring a lot of money into other Twitch streamers who aren't related to Magic to put on an event where they all play together uh, playing Magic for the first time. Okay. Um, so like popular chess streamers and stuff. Uh, and so how the content creators in the Magic Sphere feel is that Wizards is... Um, neglecting supporting them and is directly pouring money into other streamers. Did they ever release... So I don't actually know the reasoning behind the cancellation. Was there ever an official like, understanding as to why they cancelled the event? Not really. Right. I, I don't think there was ever a, you know, a, a reason that was given that, that 
actually made sense to anybody mm. because the content creators um, all feel, felt as though this was a, a pretty much not free. Obviously, there is cost and logistics behind organizing it, but a very easy thing for Wizards to do to mm-hmm. build hype for a set, to support their content creators um, in a big, big way. And I don't think that anybody has put forward any good enough reason for it. I've not really seen uh, Wizards of the Coast staff comment on it at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that they're just not addressing it. And, you know, it's kind of like, well, the decision's been made and it is our decision. So that, that is that. Because I saw, I saw a post about this the other day about how careless the, the people at the top of Wizards of the Coast are because they can... They can literally just only view it as a business and be like, when when it when it all crashes and burns eventually, if it would, they could be like, oh, we were responsible for this in the height of Wizards of the Coast being good. You know, we weren't responsible for the crash and stuff. Look at what we did when we were in charge. Mm-hmm. And they can use yeah. that as like their next project kind of thing. So they mostly don't care about the health of the company, I would yeah. say. And this is common. This is a common strategy. And it's something that I've seen before. Yeah, this is that's what it comes down to. Ultimately, it's kind of deciding between, uh, well, no matter which way you look at it, we're just the magic players are just numbers to the people that are making the decision. Um, really, I think that what it comes down to is, do we want to keep these numbers for a very, very long time, invest in magic as a game and as a community, uh, or do we want to go for not shock value but you know if you shove magic in as many faces as possible unfortunately that's what gets the most people clicking on magic content Mm -hmm. and playing magic uh, and picking up arena we went on that for quite a while yeah i was gonna say i think you have covered that enough for all of us (laughs) um since last week's episode the the cards that we picked out last week how do you guys feel about them post the set being played do you guys feel any cards have been or any even like you can even talk about learning lesson as a mechanic but yeah sarah do you remember any of the cards that you (laughs) picked out um there was a card that i just remembered now that you picked out which was test of talents and we talked about this one quite a lot um the it would be it was the card that kind of gets rid of one of the instances of sorceries that you counter uh, and gets rid of all four of them and they draw a card for each one they had so I haven't seen the card being played much, but I have seen people specifically. Um, so with with Mystical Archives, they add they have another four mana white Wrath card because there's Wrath of God in Historic, and also I think it's Judge Day of Judgment. Day of Judgment, I believe. Yeah. So funnily enough, they will run two and two of mm-hmm. each just to avoid uh, Test of okay. Talents. Uh, just so that they won't lose all of their board wipes. Yeah. Uh, and I think I saw a list, in, it was like Mono Blue Spirits in Historic, uh, which was running Test of Talents. And yeah, once that gets rid of all their board wipes, if that's the only one they're playing, they're pretty set. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, people are playing around that card, which I think that's is impactful yeah. a little bit. Um, in terms of the... So I've not actually seen much Ultimatum in Standard. I've been playing a lot of it with New Strixhaven cards. Um I think I've come across it once, but I, I kind of just stopped it. Um, <laughs> I kind of just stopped it. And, but I did kind of get like crazy good draws. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Test of Talents, if it's if people are playing around it in Historic, it must be decent, I suppose. Yeah, playing around it is... It's, there's yeah. a reason for yeah. it, so... Yeah, yeah. In, in terms of that as well, 
So historic, obviously, was it was a huge change to historic this season because of mystical archives. Mm. It added so many new cards that are so powerful. It had to ban seven cards yeah. <laughs> because they're just too powerful. Apparently, they're too powerful. Uh, apparently, brainstorm is more powerful than. Uh, or less powerful than Source of Shares, which I think is ridiculous, but <laughs> we'll get on that another time. Um, one thing, before we do talk about how great the cards are, I've been really annoyed with how the Mystical Archive cards are rares. Mm-hmm. So Brainstorm is a common, yeah. yeah. but in this one it's a rare, and the only way to access it on Arena is to use a rare wild card, because mm-hmm. you can only get it in packs or a rare wild card. So with the amount of new stuff in Historic kind of need to spend like 40 wild cards to make a deck yeah it's really bad i think i think that is really frustrating that it's not just like a style mm-hmm. um like even even eliminate uh which i think is an uncommon or yeah. common, uh, an uncommon um the, the mystical archive version is a rare it's ridiculous. and so it's like it's treated as two different cards in arena even though it's in standard normal eliminate is in standard mm-hmm. it should just be a card style yeah yeah, it's really unfortunate how they've handled it. It definitely the only reason they did that is to get more people to buy packs. Um, and unfortunately, there's not like any kind of outcry we can make yeah. about it because that's never going to change. Because mm-hmm. why would they? Why would they put it in common? It's because kind of a it da- makes them money. It's a yeah. dangerous <laughs> position for us to be in, where like there, you, you almost, like some people think that mystical archives was too much for historic, mm. uh, and you almost are tempted to think that did they particular like did they introduce a bunch of overpowered cards? to get people to buy packs right now mm. to keep up maybe maybe and that would be a shame yeah it is it is unfortunate how they've handled it i think because yeah cards like faithless looting as well i don't think that was a rare that before. is a common i think it was a common before uh, and then the only only one you have access to is the weird art rare one yeah so <laughs> yeah uh, and those cards have been seeing a lot of play in, in the new historic decks like mm-hmm. you can't really keep up in historic without them yeah uh, i think brainstorm abundant harvest as well probably one of the best cards yeah. in Historic, I think, which is, that one reads, it just costs a green, mm-hmm. green mana for a sorcery, and you ex- you choose either non-land or land, and you exile cards from the top of your library until you get a non-land or land. Well, for one mana, and draw whatever sort of card you need is so powerful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's in it rare. You kind of need to play it. You kind of need to play Brainstorm. You need to play Time Warp. And they're staples. They're, they're now, they? they've, yeah. They've printed format staples and made them all rare. Really powerful historic cards, and it's unfortunate to see that, but it is what it is, unfortunately. Yeah, and then on top of all of that, the client has been the the arena client has has God. been plagued by <laughs> bugs, uh, yeah. following the Strixhaven release. Uh, honestly, I don't know how they can call it a published game. Like it's, it's so bad. Three months, a new set comes out. <laughs> I don't get it. They, they just kind of like, all right, this is the this is the couple of days where Arena sucks for a bit. Yeah. This is just our thing now. This yeah. is what we do. We're not going to fix it. This is our culture. Yeah. <laughs> Arena's going to suck for a couple of days. Deal with it. It's embarrassing, honestly. <laughs> and furthering, furthering from what you said earlier about the them inviting like top streamers from other games, that I feel like that's just going to be an embarrassment. Yeah. Like, what if you get <laughs> like GM Hikaru Nakamura, yeah. twenty seven thousand viewers on Twitch? can't open the arena coin after <laughs> exactly. being paid to play it. Yeah. Like, that's just going to be embarrassing. That'd be funny. Yeah. Yeah. Was there any sort of things from the last episode, Josh, that you, you know, has, has anything you want to bring up in terms of cards that you've evaluated that are good or cards that you maybe got wrong? Anything you want to bring up? Um, 
Well, uh, last episode I mentioned Bayou Groff, and uh, I think that, well, I think Bayou Groff has actually just gone exactly the way that I thought. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not making a huge splash in constructed formats. Uh, it's good in limited, mm -hmm. uh, it's solid, and I have seen people talking about using it in Pauper. Um, and so that's gone as expected yeah i haven't tested out some of the other cards uh like ecological appreciation mm. um i think a lot of the cards that i talked about were specifically for commander that i wanted to test those out in and of course the set is not out on paper yet so yeah, i haven't so had the opportunity to yeah so, so i haven't had the opportunity to test those out i'm looking forward to the set coming out on paper there's a bunch of stuff that i want uh to play in my various commander decks and i'm looking forward to that uh, for the time being, though, like the set is super fun in limited, mm -hmm. and I don't know what impact it's going to have on standard. I, it doesn't seem like it's going to have a huge impact on standard. Um, although we did talk, Sam, about um, so I, I did think before the set came out that it put the potential for Boros Agro back on the table, mm -hmm. um, and Boros Agro has been notoriously bad forever. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you said you were playing a Boros Agro deck in standard recently and you were having some success with it. Yes, yeah, so I had always thought that Kaldheim would have been the way forward for Boros Agro because of Showdown of the Scouts, mm. um, and it kind of didn't. <laughs> Um, because the the list was just mono-white splash red. Yeah. And I wouldn't say that's Boros, but um, yeah, so the list I've been running in standard since Thursday... Uh, it has gotten me to about platinum one. I'm really close to diamond. I'm looking. It's been really performing strongly. It is Boros Winota, with so that deck is so Winota is a a, a creature card from Ikoria. She reads whenever a non-human you control attacks, you look at the top six cards of your library and pick a human from the top six. Attack and it comes into the battlefield attacked and attacking with indestructible. So effectively, it's really That's powerful. Dope. Yeah, mm -hmm. you, the idea of the deck is to play sort of low, low-costed non-human creatures and kind of amass like a sort of token yeah. board. And then when you attack, when you play Winota on turn four and immediately attack after, she fetches a bunch of strong human character cards. Um, sorry, human cards. <laughs> and um, so she was actually banned in her Magic Historic on Arena Historic because of Agent of Treachery. Um, mm -hmm. That was a really powerful human which you could basically cheat out on turn four uh, and agent of church got banned and then winota just got banned because she was just too efficient yeah uh, but in standard because the the top end humans have not been that good for a while she kind of just hasn't really been working um one of the best humans for her before strixhaven was kenrith the returned king which is the eldraine card mm -hmm. the eldraine promo um and that's just a five five and has a bunch of modes on it which is good it's decent but it's not enough yeah however strixhaven bought to us a four mana boros hybrid mana colored card and it's a rare called something blade historian <laughs> blade <laughs> historian um blade historian is a four mana two two and it reads attacking creatures you control have double strike and it is a human so when you're amassing your board of little creatures and protection creatures like Selfless Saviour and Offside of Life's Bounty, and you slam down your Winota and you get Blade Historian, you're actually swinging in for a lot of damage. Yeah. Um, a lot of damage with all the double strike. It comes in unexpectedly because it's in combat. Um, you think, oh, my opponent's used all their mana, it's fine. Nope. In comes a double strike Lord. Um, <laughs> and it comes in attacking as well. 
uh, with Indestructible. It's just it's become really powerful. Um, it's I think it's pushed Winota to the top a little bit. Uh, maybe not. Obviously, it's only been a couple of days of standard, but I've been having really good success with the deck, uh, and it also utilizes uh, learn, one of the mechanics which I didn't think would make it in standard. Um, it has become pretty necessary for this. So it runs in the two mana slot, Professor of Symbology, mm -hmm. which is an uncommon from Strixhaven, and it's a two mana two one. When it enters the battlefield, you learn. And it's as simple as that, but it is a non-human creature. So it's one of your early creatures that you can play as mm -hmm. a non-human. It learns, and you can either fetch... So I would run two Spirit Summoning in the sideboard, which is just a three-mana create a 3-2 three, Spirit. Not amazing, but because you can fetch it, it can be really nice against sort of those board-wipe-heavy decks where you just have an extra card in your hand. It's basically card advantage. Um, and you can either do that, or more oftenly, you can draw and discard from it which helps you shape your hand for Winota. Because if you draw into your humans like Kenrith and like Blade Historian, you generally don't want to do that. You want them to be in your library to fetch off the top from Winota. Yeah. So you can quite easily discard your um, your Kenrith in your hand and draw either a land for turn four or a Winota for turn four or just anything better. Mm -hmm. um, so it's been a really powerful deck so far. It's, smooth, it's a smooth deck. It's, it runs really nicely. I'm really, really enjoying it. That seems fun. That yeah. seems super That's fun. That's so cool. It's really, it's really cool. I've always loved Winota as a card. Yeah. And she kind of got hated on because she was so powerful when Agent of Treachery was out. But now I feel like she's the sort of, she's a bit of an underdog now, if that makes yeah. sense. <laughs> um, yeah, because she was a bit lame, <laughs> unfortunately, because she was just usually quite constant turn four, Agent of Treachery, I steal anything that you've got. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but now that that's been banned and she's kind of sucked for a while, it's nice to see her back on the rise. And I feel like it's fair as well. It's not You're not stealing things from the opponent and just winning. Blade Historian doesn't always just win off the bat, but it's just a nice, sticky aggro deck. Yeah. Um, it's one big turn, isn't one it? One big turn. And then, you know, once you get board wiped, it just has so much... It, it's, just, it's just really easily uh, carries on. It's resilient. It's resilient. Yeah. It runs Snowlands with Faceless Haven as well, which is an extra sort of... When you get that double strike, does that count? It doesn't count as a non-human, does it? Faceless Haven. It doesn't count. No. Yeah, because it is a human. But when, yeah, once you have Blade Historian down in your land, is swinging in for eight damage. It's pretty nifty. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been a really fun deck. I've really been enjoying it. Professor of Symbology was probably one of my favorite cards in the deck. It, I, it was completely unexpected that it'd be good. Yeah. It's a two mana two one, which is a nice aggressive sort of stat line. And the learn is just really helpful in an aggressive so, deck. In Constructed, what lessons do you have in the sideboard? So it is just Spirit Summoning. That is the only card okay. in the sideboard I have. Um, which makes a 3-2. Three, 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 three mana yeah. make a 3-2. It's a one white-red-white-red hybrid card yeah. that creates a 3-2. Uh, the option of having that, it, it doesn't seem like it's all that powerful, but it's the option of being able to fetch that and have, a, have increased card advantage yeah. or... Uh, draw and discard a card and yeah it just it's just really nice what really about nice. the um, there's a one white white sorcery that I can't remember the name of that is a lesson mm. um, which reads exile target creature its controller makes a 3-2 spirit mm. um, doesn't that seem good in this slot to answer something like a Toski or a Heliod it does but the deck is way less focused on what the opponent's doing I often find that you don't want to be removing their creatures yeah. 
because your double striking attackers usually are going to trade with them anyway. Mm-hmm. For example, things like Bone Crusher Giant as a 4-3, your 1-1 dog with double strikers is going to kill it. It's yeah. really nice that way. Um, yeah, you generally don't want to be paying attention to what they're doing. Not in like a solitaire type way, not like <laughs> a solitaire type deck, but it it's way more aggro focused. Mm-hmm. Uh, it That being said, it does run... So I do run Glass Casket and Red Cat Melee in the sideboard, but... I don't like having to run them, yeah. if that makes sense. I don't like having to not play a creature on turn two or turn three yeah. to yeah. play a glass casket or a red cap melee, a, a removal spell, essentially. Um, but yeah, you do need those four things, like punching through like a Torbran or something like that. But yeah, it's been a really fun deck. I'm really enjoying it. Really simple, straightforward game plan. And yeah, it's been good fun. That sounds, that sounds like a solid deck. And mm-hmm. it might just be, you know, the... The one standard deck that I craft this format this yeah. this season. It's yeah, Winota is a really powerful creature. She comes in as a four four, which is just nice. And she's a strong creature in herself, and yeah, she just makes your attackers so good. Yeah, and yeah, she's she's been really fun. So you mentioned there um, that the deck was smooth. Mm-hmm. Was one of the adjectives that you used. Yes, and that reminds me of something else that I wanted to talk about, and that is the hand smoother, the hand smoothing algorithm. The hand smoothing algorithm. Yeah, um, this is so something I've never heard of. You me guys haven't heard of this. Take it no, away. Yeah. So, Arena in Best of One has a hand smoothing algorithm to limit the amount of times that you will be mana screwed um, in all Best of One games. Really? Yeah. Both both limited and in constructed. If you play okay. Best of One, um, then we'll, so this doesn't happen in Best of Three. In Best of Three, you're on your own. Hmm. In Best of One, what Arena will do is behind the scenes uh it it creates so it draws you three different potential hands and then it picks the one that is the best that's bad yeah so it picks the one that has the 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 closest so it doesn't it can't assess the cards but it looks at three lands four spells is this three lands four spells is this both of their colors or or most of their colors whichever (gasps) so it draws three random hands and whichever one is the best of those three or most closely aligns to a nice balance is what it gives you and um this is something that we are only just beginning to figure out how to abuse (laughs) (laughs) nice um so uh i have um just installed 17 lands which is a new data analysis project um uh, but made by uh, a bunch of people who really love Magic the Gathering and particularly love Limited. And basically all it does is it collects your game logs um, and sends them off to the 17 land server and stores all the data there so that they can run really heavy data analysis and draw conclusions from the data. And that's it. That's all there is to it. There are a couple of perks to using it. Like It only works for Draft and Sealed, but you can keep a track of all your wins and all your picks and all the other cards that are in the pack. That's all data you can see and see historically. Um, and you can uh, play by uh, you can go play by play of all of your games. So it's not it's not a recording of your game. It's kind of like a, a representation on the Seventeen Lands website, mm-hmm. and you can click through almost like a slideshow to see all of the plays that were made. So uh, if you're thinking about improving your Magic play, reflecting on that data on the like especially limited, well you only really have this option in limited. Um, reflecting on your picks 
and your plays each game is really, really good. That's really good practice. You know, go back and think, what would I do here now that I've got time to think about it? And then see what you did. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's a really good way to do it. And I would recommend that to anybody who really wanted to improve. Um, That aside, though, um, 17 lands have crunched the numbers on uh, on the hand smoothing algorithm and i cannot remember the exact numbers but specifically because the hand smoothing algorithm exists there is an argument um for reducing the amount of lands in best of one draft decks so at the moment as the website name connotes 17 lands is normal um, if you're playing an aggressive deck, you maybe cut down to 16. Mm-hmm. And that's generically the advice that you'd be given. Uh, there were exceptions. I think in Ikoria, there was a cycling um, subtype, mm. uh, a cycling archetype, I should say, uh, in draft, which only played 12 lands because it's a cycling deck. Mm. But that's totally an exception. And normally you'd play 17 or 16. But with the hand smoothing algorithm, you could cut that down to 15 or even 14 and still have a fairly good chance of ending up with uh, a hand with three lands in it because of the hand smoothing algorithm. And so the guys at 17 lands are starting to really crunch this data and are now trying to find that, uh, find how to abuse it, basically. That's really interesting. I, I've i never heard of that algorithm before. No, I think I'm a fan of it. I feel like that is not magic the gathering yeah i agree i i think i I don't think it should be in place it shouldn't be in place no because that what can't happen in paper exactly it can't Mm -hmm. happen in paper that's not something that exists in paper that's just a i'm not sure why they would have implemented that um but no that kind of obviously that makes gameplay a lot more fun and playable yeah but you have have more actual games yeah and then if people can do things like find a way to abuse it yeah exactly like if you can start to lower your land count and give you an edge but make it slightly more like like that's less likely to punish you. Yeah. That that's not fair, and that changes arena versus paper. Yeah. Um, so somebody who's learning how to draft in arena very well may you know if they do their own experimentation without being aware of the hand smoothing algorithm may think oh this is a deck where I'd want to cut a land and they do they do that but then they go play on paper and it mm. really punishes them and they don't realize. Um, and yeah, I, I agree. I think it actually changes the game uh, between mm-hmm. between not only arena and paper and MTG Online, but See, best of three versus best of one. Yeah, this is probably explains a lot of something. That, so in Kaldheim, uh, Tibalt's Trickery was printed, mm-hmm. and that is I'm not sure if you saw the whole Tibalt's Trickery stuff that was available in arena. So basically, it would counter a spell. So it's a red counter spell, mm-hmm. but then you. It has weird text on it, but effectively you, you counter that spell and then you exile cards from the top of your library until you reach another spell and you put that into play. Okay. So the idea is, I don't know what the design idea was for it because you're never going to use it on an opponent because they just get free things. Yeah. But the idea was to the, use it on yourself. So you play Tibbot's Trickery or you play a zero mana spell like a Stone Core Serpent, mm-hmm. play it for X equals zero, counter it, and then you fetch out a coma on turn two or something. Right. Um, that took best of one by the storm. And I think... You know, if you're including a coma, four, sto- four stone core serpents, four tibble trickery, and the rest is like random stuff. Yeah. yeah. Like lands effectively, stuff. Th- well, I don't know if this is accurate, but 
if you if you're going to look at three hands and you're going to get the best one, mm-hmm. I mean that's like three times as likely to yeah. To, yeah. to find something. Which is you, why I think Tibble Trickery was so good in best of one, and obviously in best of three it can be beaten with sideboarding, but it it was so efficient. It was because all you need is eight two out of the eight cards in your deck to mm-hmm. be in your starting hand, which mm-hmm. is a Stone Core Serpent and a Tibble's Trickery. Um, I guess you could run more, but then you had the risk of um, getting those off your Tibble's Trickery. But yeah, it was a weird weird card. I don't know why they printed it. it yeah, it's just easily broken. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know what the design thought was behind that. Yeah, I, no I, I think gonna... it's fun if you play it honestly in Commander mm-hmm. or something. But it's so uh, easy then it can to be not funny. play it. Yeah, but it's so abusable. Yeah. Uh, you can't really print cards and say, look, we're going to print this broken card. <laughs> um, just just be nice. <laughs> just be yeah. nice about it. Uh, you can't really do that. Yeah, um, so that, that's something that might have explained the phenomenon of Tibble's Trickery being so consistent in best of one like yeah. that yeah. because you are able to have that hand smoothing algorithm so yeah i'm not i'm not biggest fan of that uh i don't think that should be a thing because again that isn't magic gathering yeah that's yeah. kind of like a, a simulation if anything well yeah i agree um and i think uh that it, i don't think it should be in place mm. but it's worth bearing in mind for your best of three, sorry, for your best of one games, mm-hmm. uh, that, that that is in place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think an interesting note is that, so according to the 17 lands guys, because of the hand smoothing algorithm, your odds of drawing a one land hand in, say, uh, in best of one, where you've got a 17 land deck, sorry, a 17 land 40 card deck, your odds of drawing a one land hand are about one in a thousand with the hand smoothing algorithm Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and it doesn't feel like that i feel like it's Mm. happened to everybody yeah i don't think i've played a thousand hands of cards in (laughs) arena um but it's definitely happened to me me. and that's the magic experience that is the magic experience is getting mana screwed or flooded way more than is statistically (laughs) probable Yeah. yeah And that being a universal experience. I agree, 100%. Um, I think as well, like, the whole the whole sort of drawing cards for your first hand and the mulligan system, is you, that's something you have to build your deck around no matter what. And if you... So, for example, in the scenario that you could draw seven non-land cards, you don't draw a land, and then you mulligan, you draw six non-land cards, you just never draw mm-hmm. a land, mm-hmm. uh, and you go all the way down to one, that is like almost impossible the, the the odds of that happening are almost impossible but if that were to happen i feel like your deck's just bad yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you if you have to mulligan at least to like four or three cards like you should never have to mulligan below four cards uh, if your deck is good yeah yeah and it come it boils down to like good deck building to at least always be able to play five cards or something i don't know maybe i'm wrong but I, I've just never I've never seen like a scenario of, uh, top players for example you never ever see them mulligan to three cards mm-hmm. they'll they'll just concede anyway but like their decks are usually so refined and optimized that that never happens yeah and so with the algorithm I I don't think it needs to like if, if, if there was a reason for them to put it in place was to make it so that you know your hands are more consistent no just be a better deck builder 
<laughs> yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, like you shouldn't yeah. have to mulligan that much if your deck is bad. I don't know. Maybe that's wrong, but that's always been my take on it. Is that you, if you if you've mulligan to three or two you, cards? Yeah, you exactly. You do need to know. Sucks. Like, uh, <laughs> you, you know, you say be a deck, be a better deck builder. Obviously, there's there is more to it than that. Yeah. But you need that feedback. If you play a game and you like, if you keep track of your game and you find your mana screwed thirty percent of the time, mm -hmm. that tells you there is an issue with your deck building exactly. that you need to yeah. address, and the, the hand smoother can throw that off. Um, and I think, I think to an extent, you can kind of start to blame the hand smoother once you know about it. Like you're playing a best of one game uh, mm -hmm. and you get a bad hand and you're like, bro, <laughs> three hands and this this was the, the best, best you could one? do. You looked at three hands and you gave me this. <laughs> That's what I'm doing from now on. <laughs> That's going to be all the reasons I lose. Did you know, by the way, that... Um, you remember the Hogak deck uh, in Modern? Mm -hmm. um, from pr about probably about a year ago. Uh, Hogak Necropolis Arisen, or yeah. Arisen Necropolis. Um, and the kind of nut draw with that deck was a turn to Hogak. Mm. And there were various ways of achieving that. And that's why it was so good, because Hogak is an 8-8 with like a trample. 60% chance of getting the 8-8 trample yeah. on turn two. Did you know that you could mulligan down to one with that deck, and there is still a chance for you to get a turn two Hogak? <laughs> that's really funny. Yeah. It's what stupid card. Like if you're, by being on the draw, and you keep a Stitcher Supplier... Mm. You draw a swamp or a black source. Play the swamp, play the Stitcher Supplier, mill three. Mm -hmm. Next turn, draw a Stitcher Supplier, play it, mill another three. If you've milled a Hogak, you have exactly enough to delve so, and convoke to play the Hogak. Play Hogak. And so, yeah, you could, you could mulligan down to one card <laughs> and you could still hit a, a turn to AA Trample. What dumb card. <laughs> God, Wizards have had some... Funny cards yeah. in, in history. Yeah. There is one more thing that I do want to talk to you guys about, uh, which I think has come up in the past. And that's, uh, in Commander, how many board wipes do you run before that's too many? <laughs> and what do you do if you are playing a deck and you just don't feel like it's fun for the rest of the table? <laughs> Okay, yeah, that's a pretty good topic. Uh, I wonder where you got those ideas from. So, to put this in context, um, our last Commander game, which was on Friday, uh, we were playing four-player. I was playing a Morophon uh, Devoid Eldrazi deck. Um, and so I've cut back the board wipes in that deck a lot. I think there is only two now. Mm. I just happened to start with both of them in my hand. <laughs> and both so, them in your hand? I think start. so, yeah. That's and awesome. so I went, you, you know, I, I did nothing for about <laughs> seven turns, and then yeah. turn seven, all is dust, turn <sighs> eight, Ugin, the spirit dragon, and then, you know, following up on all is dust, Ugin just could not be dispatched, and then I started building more and more, uh, mm. and then we were board wiped again, uh, <laughs> and eventually uh, I, I knocked out one player, the other two conceded. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we were just hungry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the, <laughs> game, the game had gone on for quite a while. Yeah. And so the way I feel about the Marathon Eldrazi deck is that it's a cool concept. I've played it quite a bit. Most people that I play with know the deck. I don't know if it's that fun a strategy. And I'm kind of inclined to make it more fun. Yeah. Um, so how would you... Yeah, because how would you define that? Because... I would say things like the Anawan deck that I have mm. has a really fun 
strategy of playing other people's cards yeah. Yeah. and milling them. And that's something unique to that deck and kind of, you know, it's a little bit more fun as opposed to the traditional ramp and kill everyone. Yeah, so I, I dread to say it, but I think that uh, it would be better if it was more aggressive and explosive. Mm-hmm. Um, I, unfortunately, I, I really like control decks, but, <laughs> yeah. um, but they are very long to play, uh, in, especially in Commander. Yeah. You know, in Standard, playing against a control deck can take, uh, say, best of one from a 15-minute game to a 30-40 minute game. In Commander, it takes a one-hour game to a two-and-a-half-hour game. Mm-hmm. That's a big difference. Um, and I find the same with my Flickr deck, which like I think that's a really it's a really fun deck to play. Mm. And Flickr being you know value and ramp and uh, and control oriented is always going to be deadly. Um, and so I'm looking for ways to speed that up. I, like, I'm yeah. looking at adding things like Endrace Forerunners uh, to try and give me maybe an explosive turn eight or something to try and start ending the game. It's, yeah, because this is I don't know like with your Eldrazi deck it. It wins by setting up wins, if that makes sense. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. it it tries to control the board, but then not like actually fully win. It kind of just you, then you're just attacking with like a six six moral farm yeah. to kill everyone or something slowly. It, yeah, slowly <laughs> killing them. Um, but yeah, then it, it begs the question: How do you make that deck faster? And mm-hmm. does that not lower the quality of the deck as well? Yes, yeah, it, it would. It definitely would detract from the strategy. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's it's something that I struggle with uh, in Commander. Uh, I, I struggle to know how to, how to reconcile that. Mm. It might be that powering up the deck is the solution. But then I fear that, uh, you know, if, if I play cards that power the deck up seriously in such a way that I can execute the game plan a lot more quickly. Yeah. I think that's too strong. I think that's too high a power level yeah. for kind of casual commander. Um, but control decks are possibly too slow in commander, uh, or at least in our context, in yeah. our friend group, uh, in the group that we play with. Um, somebody playing a deck that's going to make the game two and a half hours is just too much. But then it, it's... So would you argue... I know I'm just going off of my decks here, but <laughs> would you argue that Lord Wingrace is similar? Because that does want to make it towards the end of the game and kind of grind everyone out with mm. landfall and kill them slowly with landfall. I don't know if it's but the it's, same, But it's different, though. isn't it? Yeah. I, I don't know what it is about it. that you, I can't pinpoint it. But I also think potentially what it is as well is that most of your decks, Josh, are that type of deck. So mm. where we all have different decks and they all play slightly differently whatever you play because you mainly choose to play flicker or eldrazi it's kind mm. of the same thing because you have your pirates deck that's quicker that's true it is yeah storm exactly. is not that... <laughs> so that's that's your decks right that's your four commander decks yeah storm pirates eldrazi flicker yeah so three of those are long, long... deadly solitary yes. decks yeah which just speaks to who I think the, the way that I am as a player. Yeah. Um, yeah, because you don't play pirates often. No, that's what I I'm. That's what it's I mean. my least favorite to play. Yeah, <laughs> like if you look back at Top Deck Insight on Twitter, um, and you see because I tweet about the games that we play, and Josh has won every time he's played Flickr. Every, and from I think we've I've maybe tweeted for six or seven weeks now. Mm. Josh has won six of them. 
The only um, other person that's won is Jordan. Yeah. And I, I think yeah. that that is because... Um, well, we should note that we sometimes play second games, which I don't tweet about. Yeah. Don't want it to just be like Josh wins all the time. <laughs> but the first game that we play, you have won most of them. And I think the reason for that is if it were one-on-one, -on -one, then I think anybody else's decks would run over mine mm -hmm. because they have one target. Yeah. But because there's four yeah. or five people and all of the aggro decks are keeping each other busy and building threats and That's, I'm just... Yeah, because we look at each uh, other yeah, and we, go... Like, it's always going to go to the late game. And then but when we hit the late game, I've locked up the game, but I haven't even started winning yet. Mm. Yeah, so what we've basically done is me, you and Maddie have got rid of all of each other's good stuff that's come mm. out on turn two to turn five. Because Josh hasn't got hasn't anything. Hasn't got anything. So yeah. we may maybe swing a little bit of damage, but we go, oh, he's not really doing anything. And then all of a sudden, turn six, turn seven. This is, this is the thing, because we always talk about this. We're always like, well, if Josh hasn't got anything, we should all just try and get him out. But then it's like, then he's just. Not but you, you want to deal with yeah. the threat that's on the table. Yeah. Like, you're like, okay, then that's true, but. Maddie's your, your board deck. looks scary. Yeah. Sarah's got a big turn coming up. Mm. Whereas I'm just sat there like, I might have yeah. a big turn yeah. coming up he in five turns. Yeah. Um, I oh, definitely don't like. I'm a future problem. Uh, and <laughs> Let's then when deal I, with a now problem. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so I, I think that maybe that's what's the difference. That, that that's the difference in the decks in that we our, our decks our sort of aggressive or simple game plan decks are more visible. Yeah, I think we just sense. all of our decks have stuff to do every turn. Mm. Like to put it as simply as possible, the three of us are decks. The three of us are not including Josh, me, you and Maddie, is mm. we have something to do pretty much every turn. Mm. Most of Josh's decks don't have anything to do till turn five. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Right, because the only one right. that does is pirates, which you barely ever play. Yeah, which is yeah, that is interesting. So I don't know. Maybe instead of changing those, because you can't really change Flicker too much. And I think if you change Morphon, it wouldn't be Morphon Eldrazi because you took out. Correct me if I'm wrong. All of the lower costing Eldrazi creatures because they just weren't mm. good enough. Um, I've I've since added them back in oh, in, in an attempt okay. to make the deck m feel more like a fair Magic deck. I've removed a bunch of the hard control stuff. Like, like I think I ran like six board wipes before, and I've That's cut so that. Many. I've cut that down to one actual board wipe, and then Ugin the Spirit Dragon because he's really good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's effectively two board wipes. Um, and I've removed a lot of the like ramp cards and control cards and board wipes and removal spells and I've added in several more uh, just Eldrazi creatures that are fairly unimpressive. Okay. It does so happen that that last game that we played, I didn't see a single one of them. No, it played mm. very, yeah, because you did remove them, right? The lower cost ones for a bit. You for a bit, yeah, did, yeah. yeah. And I went full control. I pretty much had like an Eldrazi top end. And then it was just a pure, disgusting five-color control deck. <laughs> uh, and that was way, way too little fun. Um, mm. This time I have some, I've tried to add some other synergies like Molten Nursery, uh, which is whenever I play a colorless spell, I deal one damage to an opponent or something mm. or, okay. or, or to any target. And so I, what I want to do is something like make all my spells free, get a mystical um, forge, mystic forge down, and then start playing tons of free spells and get some synergy and start pinging people uh, and you know it's kind of a cool combo but it still ends up like that's what i'm trying to build yeah but it, it, as we saw last game what it still ends up being is just do nothing wipe the board play big spell yeah so what about when when we do deck switch ups what what have, what decks have you played of, of our list of decks do you remember do you remember any so I've played your rogues deck with Anawan the Ruin the mm -hmm. uh, at the helm. I've played Rin and Seri, I think. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. 
um, the Naya, Ren and Seri. I have played uh, also of Taste of Karlov. Yeah. What's so yeah, when you with those decks, what do you sort of how do you how do you feel about playing those decks? I don't remember really. I don't know. Um Maybe we should do, do you, do you enjoy often. them less because they're more like they're not your because it is your play style is controlled. That's not a bad thing. Yeah. But do you I don't know. I don't know. It's a difficult question. It's challenging because I think that. So I think what it comes down to is that I like control, mm. um, but I think that control is a lot more powerful in five player commander mm-hmm. and a lot weaker in one player commander, for yes. example. Like all of the weaknesses of control are pretty much not present um, when you're playing a five player game. Because um, you're yeah. only taking a fifth of the heat, in theory. What if we did something like we assign one player in our four-player command game to just go at Josh? Okay. And make it like a one v one thing. So it's like a <laughs> yeah. We one of us just takes. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, it's like a one v one thing. Well, that well, could work. <laughs> we could do something like arch enemy. Yeah, arch enemy um, would be fun. Okay, what's that? Wait, no, arch enemy is when you have one player versus the table. Yeah, that's, that's what I want. That's too much. <laughs> no, that's, I think that'd be great. That's too much. But um, I know there are different... I can't remember what the names of them are, but I know you. some people play th- sort of things in Commander where, uh, you know... So, you know, at the moment, when you play Commander, everybody loses but one person. Only mm. one person wins. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but there are other ways to add win conditions to Commander. Mm. Um, so you maybe secretly draft a, in a hat a list like a name under the table, and you open it up, and that is your target. And no matter okay. what, no matter who actually wins the game, if you outlive your target, ah, you have that's won. Cool. That sounds like a fun concept. Yeah. We should definitely um, add like just stuff like that into our Commander. Yeah, games. and so that could make it so that you know Sam gets me as his target. Um, he's just going to aggressively go for me. He might even say to Sarah and Maddie, Josh is my target, so I, I can see what you're doing. I feel like... Oh. No, maybe, you maybe you're not allowed no, to say. No, you can't, yeah, say, you can't say. say. But then in that case, they'll be like, well, if Josh is your target, we don't want you to kill him because then you just win. Yeah. So then no. Yeah, you then can't, it becomes you can't a commander say. game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it there, has to be there are like stipulations that you can add, I think, to make it more fair, and maybe we should think about those mm-hmm. and see if we introduce one in our next game, see how that goes. That could be fun really anyway. Fun. The... Yeah having a person that you focus on I mm-hmm. think that'd be fun anyway Although, yeah we'll or like a challenge me and Maddie get each other though because we'd never actually want to do anything well then we'd finally <laughs> attack each other it's like teaming up every, yeah, every yeah, Friday we want like I'm ha- obviously I want to win if I don't win I want Maddie to win okay. and I kind of feel like it might be the same for her so we think we'll get everyone else out I mean it's, it's never worked I think that's why you guys <laughs> yeah, possibly don't probably. win because you always team up which <laughs> means Sam and I have to team up and take yeah. you out and then eventually samurai win. Yeah. You know, it's, it's also really fun, like when you and Maddie get Sam, you and Maddie get salt each other. And I kind of want to sort of Feel feed that. that. Yeah. So I'm like, Fair how dare you do that, Sam? Like, it's definitely the best player makes total sense, but that is awful. How dare you kill Olivia? That's funny. No, I think we could definitely, like, you could add some cool stipulations, like, you could have a bingo element where everybody has a bingo card mm. and, they, and you, you can also win the game by uh, hitting all the bingo elements, like, swing with three creatures or more. Um, draw four cards in one turn. Is this all uh, from the Brandon Sanderson Command Zone Cube? None of this is in the Brandon is Sanderson Cube. Is it not? Cube. What do I know it from? I feel like all the things you're saying I've seen on <laughs> Command Zone. I don't know. No? Okay. <laughs> um, but the Brandon Sanderson Cube is, is cool, but those are all stipulations for deck building. 
Right. Uh, these, I guess, in a similar vein, it's stipulations for gameplay. Mm. Um, and you could have something like uh, maybe not outright wins, uh, but winning the game gets you five points. Um, and each, you know, achievement that you unlock on the list, like swing with three creatures, draw four cards in one turn, gets you one point. And, you know, you, you top up the points at the end. Cool. So there's actually a rank, and it's not just based on who gets knocked out of the game when. Are there prizes? Mm. Well, are there prizes Vegan in Command sweets. now? Yeah. Well, no, but if there's going to be additional things, I thought there should be prizes. Uh, okay. You have, like, the Strixhaven <laughs> Stadium card. Or the points one where you like you get a point mm. counter for each damage you do. <laughs> so that, that everyone actually, gets a Strixhaven. Yeah, yeah, everybody starts with a Strixhaven stadium. Yeah, that, that yeah. could that be, be funny. Fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there are loads of sort of gameplay stipulations you can add to to Commander. Uh, I think we should think about it. We mm. should. That sounds really fun. Mm-hmm. Okay. We should also do Arch Enemy where you play Flicker though, Josh. <laughs> but I'll lose on turn four. Well, we have to roll for the arch enemy, though. Yeah. Well, we'll just roll. Um, so normally <laughs> in arch enemy games, they get an additional advantage. Like, um, so it could be something like uh, at the end of each of their turns, they reveal cards from the top of their library until they reveal a non-land. Mm. They can cast it without paying its mana cost. Okay. Something that like sense. that. Some, yeah. Something to give them a massive advantage. Yeah. Um, so that it sort of evens out. Because there have been like actual arch enemy um like game design like uh, s- games in Magic the Gathering mm. where like one person will play a Nicol Bolas Quixis yes, that's deck. What I was thinking of. Yeah, and then they'll play against three other people. Okay. But the the for that to work, the one person does need to have have, kind of advantage. have advantage, have a much more powerful deck, uh uh like a not like a strong deck against like uh game night decks or something. Mm. Mm. Uh or color challenge decks, or like there needs to be some stipulation to balance the game. It can't, it can't just be everybody gang up. <laughs> Kill on Josh. Josh. I just want Flicker to lose though, because it's never. Mm, it's yeah. never maybe, won. maybe you should get Baron Magic. So, okay, can we <laughs> just talk about the one time that one of my cards stood up against your Flicker deck? Big Tay. Big Tay. Yeah. Who is correctly uh-huh. called? Oh God, I don't know. Taser Ors of Scion. There you go. Is it? Is that a big I think one? so. Maybe the, the taser that costs the most seven mana taser. Seven mana taser. Mm-hmm. She stood up for ages against your flicker deck. And then, what does it matter about? And then, <laughs> I'm just saying, you're telling me I need to get better, but one card in my deck, you just can do nothing for ages. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maddie does have one of Hushbringer, as Hushbringer, well. yeah. <laughs> that, that was mostly out of spite. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do need to take that card out, but that was I, funny. I saw was, it like, the, the, when she yeah. first played the deck and it came down yeah, on turn two. I wasn't really paying attention, I was just looking through my cards. Turn two, everybody's just playing lands as commander, <laughs> and then I just hear, um. Play a hushbringer. No, no, because like... she didn't. She didn't say hushbringer. She didn't say what it was called. She just called it like I don't know, fairy. Play whatever. this. And then yeah, she was whispering to me like, "Isn't this card like insane?" And then I looked at it. I was like, "I forgot. I put that in there." <laughs> Play it. I do a double take. Look at it, and I'm like, "Are you? <laughs> are you joking? It's turn two. I can't do anything. <laughs> My deck does nothing." <laughs> oh yeah, that was that, that was, was great. It was a little deck building moment. I was just building it. And Maddie, I think it was in my collection. And Maddie's like, "Hey, can this card go in?" And I was like, "No, but let's put it in." <laughs> <laughs> it should go in just for this yeah. one reason. Okay, this has been a great episode, guys. I think yeah. we should wrap it up. We so, should. Thank you, everybody, for listening in. Uh, we appreciate it if you've made it all the way to the end. Be sure to follow all the socials or the social. The social. Uh, mm-hmm. Top, deck at Top Deck Insight on Twitter. On Twitter, we mm-hmm. have things. 
planned for the future, so stick around. Yeah, some exciting stuff that exciting we're working stuff. on. Uh, be sure to check out Strixhaven on Arena. Uh, it's, it's really fun. Play Limited, it's a lot more fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that should about do it. Let's wrap it nice. up. Nice.